Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to extend an invite to our new Collaboration Zone Zoom call starting July 1st, running every second week. This is a free Zoom chat get together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we get to share mind and business growth tips and strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Just head on over to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. I have another amazing guest for you today, Bill Ranshaw. We're going to be talking about so much and we had such a great conversation. I feel so very fortunate he came onto the show to share his story and now how he helps other people. But before we get into today's episode, just a reminder of our upcoming Collaboration Zone Zoom calls starting July 1st. This is going to be an amazing opportunity for you as an entrepreneur in recovery to connect and network with like-minded individuals. You're going to get to showcase what you do. I'm also going to be selecting one lucky person who's a member of the Rise in Recovery Network for Entrepreneurs Facebook community to do a free training. And this is an, uh, 10 minutes of basically where you get to showcase your skills and what you can contribute to the rest of the group. This will allow you to connect with other members and that can complement you and your business and help you scale your business to the next level. So make sure you come join us you can sign up at www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone and make sure you tell your friends. I am very excited to bring you today's guest, Mr. Bill Ranshaw. Bill was a porn addict for nearly 35 years and we talk about so many things in this episode, one of them being that, you know, not all guys are actually addicted to porn. So if you're listening out there, ladies, not all guys are addicted to porn. And we talk about how actually Bill's porn addiction led into other addictions. And I've talked about cross addictions before that this tends to happen with a lot of people in recovery. We talk about the perspective from the spouse because I've also been in a relationship where it was incredibly destructive. It really chipped away at my self-worth. I took it very personally, even though it had nothing to do with me. So we talk about that and we talk about how now Bill helps men and women focus on empowering behaviors instead of their addictive behavior. So Bill has so much to offer 
Make sure you take notes and I'll see you at the end of the show. Welcome back, everybody. I am hanging out with my friend, Bill Ranshaw today. How are you doing? I am fantastic, Tamar. Thank you so much for having me on today. I can't wait to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to this for a while. I'm super excited too. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself briefly, who you are, what it is you do today, and then we're going to dig in to the past. Absolutely. My name is Bill Ranshaw. I am a recovered porn and sex addiction addict. And uh, we'll go into the history of the past and everything and all that and all the weirdness it takes to get out of that. But currently today, I am a coach for porn addiction for men. Um, And in the interim, I also have been my life has been completely just been blessed since I stopped my porn addiction. I have become financially independent. Um, I had a short stint and still sometimes do some television production and, 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 uh, film production. I was awarded three Emmy awards. Um, and since I have also found the love of my life and I am now engaged to be married. So my whole world opened up to me after I got this out of my life. Well, congratulations and congratulations on your engagement. That's awesome. Thank you. So now. You were a porn addict for Norton, let's speak English here, nearly 35 years, Mm -hmm. which is a long time. Now, you and I had a brief conversation before and, you know, that not every guy is addicted to porn. How did that start for you? Like, what did that look like? And just like most men, and this is where where I speak to a lot of men, I even take the term addiction out of it uh, when, when I'm speaking in generalities. I started just like every other normal male out there. Uh, around the age 9, 10, 11, I can't pinpoint specifically. And, you know, my age group, it started off with the magazines uh, and then uh, VCR tapes. So when I was in, you know, around 10 years old, I still actively had to go out and try to find it. And then my dad bought a satellite dish because in hindsight, my dad, I believe, was addicted to porn as well. And that was the whole reason he actually bought the satellite dish. <laughs> so, But I remember the days like on HBO and Cinemax with the scramble channels, just trying to get a peek of something. Uh, but as most kids growing up and men, I, you know, we were kind of taught or realized, yeah, this is natural. You explore, you know, you explore, you do these kind of things. And so that kind of became my, my sexual outlet from age 10 to 19, which was the first time I had sex. And looking, you know, looking back, the amount of disconnect that that did during that time frame, but compared to what people think today, is that, again, that's still normal. And so you don't realize what's going on. And we can get into the brain science around that in a little bit. But, you know, when you're young, it doesn't show up nearly as bad. And just like any other addiction, porn addiction, and mine also actually turned into a sex addiction as well. And porn was at the root of that. It it does so many different things to your brain. Again, it's normal addictions too, but just like smoking or something else, you don't really realize the, the effects until later in life, mid thirties or so. And it started showing up in my life. When I first started to recognize it was sexual, as far as sexual dysfunction, sexual arousal, libido, all those type of things, uh, especially when I would meet a woman that I was interested in and I started to connect and want to date, libido, sexual attraction, everything went out the window. Um, and one of the things, I mean, you know, here's a good hook right now is enough porn over a period of years actually can have people question their own sexuality. So it's it's interesting how deep it gets. So that was my like I'm getting in relationships. Am I gay? Is 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 this you know 
what something to do, but I'm like, no, that just doesn't interest me as well. But the other areas where I realized it when it came to be is that it was affecting all areas of my life. Um, as far as just being able to enjoy hobbies, work, a job skipped for many years, couldn't have relationships, just connection with people in general was just challenging. And it was, you know, just numb. And I had experienced some loss in my life. My dad, I lost him when I was 24. He was 55 years old. This was back in 96. My mom passed away from a heart attack in 2005. I had a godson pass away from leukemia in 2007. So I had these traumatic things in my life. I was just becoming more and more numb. And porn and sex addiction was kind of the way out to all of that. Mm -hmm. But not realizing that that's what I was doing with the porn and sex addiction was covering up and masking all those those coping and stress and anxiety and anxieties. Absolutely. And I think it was the same for me, right? I mean, when I first tried alcohol, it was like, ooh, I've kind of my my world's gone from black and white to color and I feel confident and I'm this new person and I feel attractive. And and really I was just covering up what was hurting inside of me because I mean, from the age of 14 to 36, I never dealt with anything. And I felt like when I came into recovery, I felt like a baby. Like I was I was essentially a teenager all over again because I had to learn those coping skills. But, you know, we had talked briefly before because I think um, I had an ex of mine actually that had a porn addiction. And I was always told, oh, this is normal, babe. Don't take offense to it. But I know a lot of women who struggle with this area. And can you kind of put a little bit of light to this because I too was offended. I thought, is it me? Am I not, you know, pretty enough? Am I not attractive? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, a surprising area that I have gone into is speaking with wives or, or, or girlfriends or, or in, you know, women in relationships is the, the effect that it has in just the disconnect of what's showing up for both, both people. And not that it's any more comforting, but to understand as a female in a relationship that that porn is it's not about you. It really isn't. Um, you know, replace the porn with either alcohol, heroin, cocaine, whatever drug you want. It is the it is the drug that it's it's an it's an addiction. Um, but the dirty thing about it is, is in a relationship, and what happened to me, it creates a disconnect from intimacy. And so you start losing uh, your libido and arousal and sexual attraction inside of a relationship. Therefore, it lands on your partner as they're not attractive, they're not good enough, that it's all about them. Because rightly so, it's like, why? I'm right here. I'm willing to do anything, whatever you want, violate me, take whatever. But yet <laughs> it's not enough because they've had this connection. And that, you know, in understanding from a man's point of view, also inside of a relationship is that for women that a lot of times a porn addiction is more devastating to your partner than if you cheated on them. Yeah. And that's, that's been an experience that I wasn't aware of until starting to work with people, because at least if you're with somebody else, your partner can say, okay, well, at least there's something physical or something else out there, but why, why a screen? Why something else that, that isn't real? And so it's very traumatic in that aspect. But when you can come together and work as a, as a couple of realizing this is something that we can get through, I'm here to support you, but set your boundaries as this is how it's landing on me. How can we work on that aspect? So we're both 
being in communication and start building that intimacy together. My, my program is purposely called the connected being. And it really is about to, when you quit, you can't just cut cold Turkey, just like any, any drug. Um, and some drugs, it's actually dangerous if you do. Um, but if you're not replacing it with something, it's always going to come back and relapse. You can't, you can only force your way through it for so long. And it's about that connection. And I coach people, don't don't look at it so much as you're trying to stop porn, but you're building new pathways to actually connect with people, yourself, uh, and the earth around you. And when you do that, you have so much to gain as opposed to thinking about the stuff that you're giving up. Yeah. And, you know, I love that part you touch on where this, like, it can be devastating to your partner and almost worse than cheating because that's how I felt. You know, I'd find statements on the credit card bill where it was like watching live people and I was like, oh my, oh my God, like, I can't believe he's doing this to me. And mm -hmm. I almost would have rather just he cheated on me, but it's, yeah, I, I, I totally feel that. So when did you realize that had gotten out of control and it had gotten really bad? Cause you also had other addictions in there as well, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. My, my addiction was, my other addictions were linear. Mm -hmm. uh, for the, I mean, for all things considered, I, I led a very healthy life other, other than a couple addictions, hindsight, maybe fitness and personal development had become addictions in my thirties because I'm trying to figure all this stuff out. Um, but you know, later on, I realized like, like personal development, it doesn't work. I consider it the analogy I'm known for my analogies, but it's like a boat and you can take in all this personal development, but if you have these holes in the boat, it's not, it's not going to sink in. It's not going to work. So your porn addiction, your, your, your cocaine, caffeine, your horrible eating, all these things are holes in the boat that if you're not patching and working on these, that personal development isn't going to take, it's going to go in and out. So that becomes an addiction. You keep striving more for that. Um, but where it hit me was, um, talking about after I had some loss in my life, I was in my mid to late thirties, really started feeling numb. And it was interesting. I watched a show on A&E. It was uh, some channel like that. And it was like the mind of a serial killer. <laughs> and it talked about the numbness that serial killers can get to. And when your brain gets to that point, you're going to head down two paths. One path is going to be suicidal. Another path is homicidal. And I thought, I'm nowhere near there, but man, that path is clear. That if I don't do something to take control of my life and, be, and start to feel again, just feel, that I can see where either one of those options is gonna show up. So that's kind of where I started my world of personal development, but still it didn't work, it didn't help, it didn't sink in. And I was in my, um, let's see, I'm 49 now, it might be my early 40s, 41. I had a good friend of mine, college roommate of mine, he said, reached out, I told him what was going on. He said, do you watch porn? I said, yeah, I watch porn, absolutely. <laughs> I said, I said it's great, you know, I watch as much as the next guy and it's actually healthy, you know, and I rambled all these reasons why porn was healthy. You know, it's a stress reliever. I use it before I go out on a date. I'll use it before I go to bed, whatever, it clears my mind. Like every excuse in the world, I was healthy. He said, okay, that's fine and good. Just consider that porn is a major cause of all these problems in your life. I was like, whatever. Okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks for your friendship. <laughs> and so I went about my business, but over the next year, anytime I had a challenge or I was frustrated or numb or depressed, his voice popped into my head, just consider it, just consider it. 
And it was about a year later where I did that. I considered that porn was causing a problem in my life. And so I went down that avenue of realizing and researching of what it was doing to my brain. I'm like, holy cow, this is affecting all aspects of my life. It's, it, it's, it's been my identity. It, it's created that. And that's when I work with men, that's their biggest fear of giving up. I'll get to that in a minute. But um, it, then it got to the point where I was finally in a relationship with a girl and complete sexual arousal had gone away. Libido dropped, couldn't get it up, couldn't have sex. I was making every excuse in the world, like getting out of having sex. I'd make sure we were staying up late at night, watching TV, we we're active. So there's no opportunity to ever have sex. Um, because then the shame comes into it. It's like, I'm not going to be able to get it up. And then I'll, then erectile. So it's this whole mess. Mm -hmm. And that's when I made the association that porn was never going to allow me the future that I wanted and deserved. And that, that was actually the day I, I quit, which was March 21st, 2017. I just celebrated my four year anniversary on that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so what did early recovery look like then for you because i knew for myself personally i had a lot of denial like just like you i was a functioning alcoholic towards the end and i was like you know this is normal like it's normal to party every weekend and to drink mm -hmm. every night when you get home and to drown your sorrows and celebrate your wins like this is just how my life had become so when i came into recovery I looked at other people and I'm like, I'm not like you people. Like I'm a classy drunk here. Like, yeah. you know, what was early recovery like for yeah. you? Well, the good news is, which was a big piece of this. And I think this is, is for any, any situation. Uh, I, I was part of a men's group in Arizona, very good, close friends. And we would meet once a month and we would share these emails of like personal development on the way. And the email that I shared, it was just a very heartfelt email of, so after this girl and I broke up, everybody knew her, she had lived in a different state, but she, we always together, so she got to know her. And on the surface, we had told everybody that we broke up because of the low distance. I reached out to the group and I said, guys, this is the real reason we broke up. I had massive problems sexually. I believe it was, you know, porn-induced, porn-induced erectile dysfunction is one of it. And I said, it's, I'm not being a victim here. I'm just sharing what's going on because I have nothing else to do. I don't know what else to do. And that moment of sharing, I was rewarded. Sharing my story with a close group of friends. Out of 30 guys, I would say 25 of them sent me an email back that said, Bill, wow, what, thank you for this. I've never felt more close to you as a friend for sharing this. Oh, and by the way, I thought I was the only one. Wow. <laughs> and they said, I've dealt with stuff like this in my life, in my relationship. And I thought there was just something wrong with me. And that's when I realized, wow, this is, this is bigger. This is way bigger than I thought. Um, and so I went down that Avenue. So that was early recovery, but to your question, what I tell a lot of people, and man, it's, it's not, it's not all rosy, just like any addiction. When you quit, you know, it's not hurrah and fireworks going off short term. I did start noticing the things It took about 30 days, a lot of brain fog, fog clearing. I was getting more energy. I was becoming more interested in things. <laughs> and, but is what had happened. And we chat about this offline is other addictions started sneaking into my life. It became whack-a-mole for the first time in my life. Um, uh, I became addicted to a substance. I got addicted to an opioid after a car accident. And they were prescribing it and they had to do a double surgery because they messed up the surgery. And so I was on it for six weeks straight, six times a day. 
And, and I was just becoming massively depressed. I'm like, I got to get off of it. I tried to quit it cold Turkey. I couldn't do that because I ended up in the ER and I thought, well, I got with my medical doctor and I also used the same techniques that I used to get off the porn to apply to opioids. Great. Got off of it. Took about six months. Well, lo and behold, I was burning the candle at both ends with the career I was in and I, I was fatigued. I couldn't operate. And somebody said, here, try some Coke. No, I don't think so. Well, wait, I got to get this done. All right, I'll take a bump. Bam. You know, like people say that the best line, of, the best line of blow is the first line you ever take. Mm-hmm. And so that became an addiction for six months. And I realized, wait a minute, I got rid of the porn, but yet this stuff, my life isn't perfect yet. And then, I mean, that's a myth anyways, but that's when I really kind of developed this whole aspect of, I have to get to the root of what it was doing. And that's kind of wants to get back to what we talked about, where I mentioned a little bit earlier that I want to talk about is a lot of men that I ask I always ask, what are you afraid of if you don't stop watching porn? And immediately they will start answering, I'm going to be lonely. I'll never have a relationship. I'm never going to be happy. I mean, they can list off like 50 things. Like they know it. They've thought about it. But the thing is, it's not enough to scare them because they've already accepted it. Like they've already accepted that this is the pain I'm going to have moving forward. So it's not enough to get them out of it. So the next question I usually ask is, what are you most afraid of if you do stop watching porn? And immediately they say, well, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm like, think about it. You're so, there's something you're so fearful of if you stop because that's what's holding you back from stopping. And it ultimately comes down to that aspect of the first guy that I ever asked that to is very profound. And I didn't even look at it in my own life. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my identity. And I thought, wow, I'm like, what is it? What do you mean by that? He says, this is just what I've known. This is my, my go-to, this is my security blanket. This is everything. And I thought, man, that was so profound because I applied that back to my life. And when I came out of the porn and sex addiction was um, in primary on the sex addiction, that was my whole world was that I was the guy that had done all these real wild, crazy sex, you know, girls around a swimming pool, multiple girls at once, multiple girls times a day, groups, you name it. I mean, I've done and forgotten about more things than guys like fantasize about. That's not a brag. I always say it's not a brag. It just is what is. And I know what, how it screwed me up over life. But I realized it was so hard to get out of because that was my identity. I was going to have to build a whole brand new person. And when I did that, the day I said porn is not going to allow me the, the future I wanted, that was also the same day where I declared, I want to be a man who has an amazing relationship with a single woman where we grow a future together, a new life. This was not who I was. I had to declare that and realize that I'm, I've got some work to do, meaning I need to learn how to deal with all these things right now in the present without any safety net, without anything to fall back onto, without any drug, anything that's going to pull me out of that, that I have to be stark and face this every day moving forward by myself and build something new and amazing around it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So many things come to mind. I, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about, you know, the poolside and stuff, I think, you know, the media and movies, they really glorify 
that lifestyle. And I remember when I was in addiction, it was so normal for me that it was like, I remember when I hired a personal trainer, she's like, what's your goal? And, you know, I needed to get off the alcohol, but I was like, I want to be thin and skinny so I can go to Vegas and be at a pool party and be in a bikini and feel comfortable in my own skin because it was so glorified in my life that I know how to party, but I want to do it like grandiose kind of style. But, you know, one of the questions that I really wanted to ask is that for myself, I don't have to, I don't like, I can go out and there's plenty to drink for me, right? I can drink Mm -hmm. a Diet Coke. I can drink whatever I want. I don't have to drink alcohol. And with my, I still struggle with food um, and addiction with that because I love food. I love to eat. I love to socialize. But, you know, is it kind of the same way with porn addiction and sex addiction? Because, of course, when you're in a relationship, is that a trigger? And how do you manage that? Yeah, it, it's great because I'll get to the brain science real quick on it. Yeah. Because what happens is, you know, everybody, most people in the world of addiction understand they, they hear dopamine, they hear serotonin, they they understand these things, you know, antidepressants are made around it. And I focus on four, on four uh, basic um, neurotransmitters, which is dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and norepinephrine. And those are the kind of the balancing acts that I start to work with. And in, in our life with any kind of a drug is we have a trigger and that trigger leads to a negative behavioral response, which is generally either you start drinking, you're triggered, all of a sudden anxiety bills, you drink, you do a line of blow, you watch porn, whatever it might be. And understanding what the brain chemicals are doing, you can really rebalance those out. So understanding your triggers that creates a dopamine spike. And a lot of people, the misunderstanding is people think dopamine is the neurotransmitter that's released at the moment of a high reward, where I would say like an orgasm or a gambling win, a big win. That's not true. Dopamine is the hormone and it's actually called the motivation hormone. So the second a trigger hits, it starts climbing. Sometimes it go really quick. Sometimes it's really slow. And the challenges with porn is your dopamine levels are constantly around maybe a 90 or 100. And that's what's happened over a period of time in your life. And as, as you get older, that stays at that level. But those other things that you used to enjoy in life, even a connection with another woman, real intimacy and those type of things, uh, sports, playing, you know, going to the, whatever it might be, just spending time with friends, all release a, a trigger of dopamine, but it might be around levels 10 to 15 to 20. And so dopamine is always looking for faster ways for a new reward. And so you have to take that porn out and rebalance a new baseline for dopamine. So that's why it takes a while to reestablish. And so those things that you used to enjoy start becoming enjoyable again. And then you really identify what your triggers are and you start scratching that record in your brain. They, um, uh, they call it neuroplasticity. And you create empowering behavioral responses to the triggers that you had. And by that, I mean, if you're a trigger, the one thing empowering trigger for me was porn is not going to allow me the future I wanted. So immediately that shuts down the idea of porn. And so then the next one is um, connection. Um, I'm rewarded by connection. So if I get that trigger, whatever it might be, I'm going to reach out to a friend. I'm going to reach out to a family member. I'm going to get on, talk, find a client and talk to somebody and start building connection. That's empowering uh, behavioral responses from a trigger. 
And that's kind of the direction that you have to go with that. And talking more about the brain science, since we're on, I want to switch gears a little bit, but going back to when we're young as men, when we talked about that, in our teens, this is why it's so devastating. There's a few things for men right now. Is the time I had it, I still had to search for it. Maybe had to go buy a magazine, but the frequency and intensity and cost of porn now, it's off the charts. It's it's at your fingertips, no pun intended, anytime you want it, and it's free. And most of all, most people don't know that you're on it. If you're gambling, if you're drinking, if you're doing drugs, people know your bank account's losing, you're on drugs, you're acting different porn. You're, people are losing so small in a way that they don't realize it, they don't see it in you. So there's so many factors that, that just compound it, make it so much easier. But when we're young and in our teens, the limbic system of our brain is being developed. And the limbic system is the part of our brain where we establish baselines and how to deal with stress, anxiety, fear, depression, happiness, joy, and all those type of things. And there's a few things that's going on with the porn. Uh, also is in the old days, before any of this around, we naturally grew into attraction with people and we fumbled around through, through kissing and touching and conversation and laughter and connection. And that's how intimacy and sexual arousal was built. That was the pathway that was done. Well, porn is what it does. It builds a bigger, stronger pathway of a false arousal. So that's one area that's growing. In addition, it is linking your brain to these negative emotions. And so as you grow and become older, you could be doing very well, but all of a sudden your brain is gonna trigger yourself to either be anxious or if something happens and you become anxious, porn's the ultimate result because it's gonna take away all those feelings. So now you've associated porn to these negative feelings and your brain will put you into that state because it knows the high reward it's gonna get from it, from the orgasm and then the edging or those high dopamine rushes. So it's really messed up and being able to try to figure that out. So I, don't, I, I think that answers your question. I really rambled on that one. <laughs> it's, I'm fascinated by it because it's true, right? It's yeah. the same for me. As soon as I trigger that and I have a drink or I, for me, it was drugs too. It mm -hmm. was like off to the races. I couldn't stop that. I couldn't control it, but now, I've learned to manage my recovery by, like you said, filling those holes in the boat, right? I always mm -hmm. tell people, you know, if they come to me for personal development and they're still using, they're not going to take it in. They have to build that foundation first mm -hmm. and, you know, make that solid. And then once they get that, then they can start, okay, what, what, what do you see yourself doing in your future? What interests you? Mm -hmm. What do you love? what gets you out of bed in the morning then we can start that part of the journey but you got to build the foundation first it's so mm -hmm. important to replace those those old addictions with new healthier ones yeah and there, there it is there are healthy addictions i say that like work employment um working out a lot of those are healthy addictions and and basically you know i use it's really this you know different side of the same coin of whether it's healthy or not, is it really debilitating your life? Yeah. And once you can clear your, your healthy addictions out of the way or passions, I sometimes call them, like I even say, don't follow your passion <laughs> um, and clear your addictions out of the way, then your purpose can come out. And I actually have, um, uh, I actually have one of my websites is purpose kills porn. And uh -huh. anybody with an addiction 
typically is lacking purpose in their life. And if you can really clear that aside and find a purpose, it's going to pull you forward and you realize that that addiction has no part in the development or fulfillment of that purpose. And so that becomes so powerful in, in that area. And um, you talked about on that balance earlier and in, in how the society, especially in the States, there's so much going forward where we're being marketed to from the day we're born of we're not good enough. You need this, you need that, buy this from us and you will be complete. The other thing is, is we're being taught to live either 50 years in the future, five years in the future, or even five minutes in the future. We've completely lost the ability to really be present. And that's a scary place for people. But when you are present, that's when you get to deal with all these thoughts and emotions and, and these build these coping mechanisms. But present is also the space where possibility is born. And you can create possibility and declare and create a future around that when you are present. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. And I loved how you talked about purpose because that is my thing, right? I believe that we're all capable of so much more than we realize. And especially people who have overcome adversity, I call it my life's training. Because at mm -hmm. one point in my recovery, I got very complacent and I started thinking, ah, oh, you know, this is going to follow me around negatively. I can't admit that, you know, I've recovered from drugs and alcohol, but it's mm -hmm. actually become my purpose. It's the mm -hmm. reason I wake up in the morning. My mission is to help other people see what they're capable of and that mm -hmm. they can take that life's experience that they had and turn that into their purpose, right? And I believe mm -hmm. we all have that gift within us and we have to start looking at things differently and not looking at it like, oh, it's a negative, I've wasted so much of my life. And it can actually be a really positive thing. Like I say, I have a PhD in addiction to drugs and alcohol while on food. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just trained me for who I've become today. I haven't let yeah. it define me. I've actually let it, you know, inspire me and escalate my growth. Do you feel the same way too? Like I wouldn't give it up for the world. Oh, absolutely. That's so poignant. And that's, as I mentioned a minute ago is, is don't follow your passions because I had passions for many things. You know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching movies. I enjoyed film. I enjoyed, you know, like, again, I became film production, television production. I thought that that was my, you know, it was a passion, um, country dancing. So many things were passions of mine but it never was this thing that pulled me forward through the days where I was tired and couldn't move another inch or couldn't stay awake. None of that did that. And it, it was, it, it was amazing. The, the day I gave up porn and I kind of had really had an awakening around this. And I said, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to give up all this money. That was my last precious that I was holding on to. How am I going to make money? And I gave that up. And the day I did that, that's when the universe, it was an overwhelming feeling of, all right, you did it. Now we're going to take care of you. Don't worry. Don't you worry. We're going to take care of you. You had to let all that go first. And it was in that moment where all these, the, the, the resentment build, I never had regret for what I did. Maybe that's a nuance that some people want to define or not. For me, there's a difference between re regret, but I felt resentment. Mm -hmm. I felt resentment for this porn and sex addiction that I had. And that moment where I gave everything up and I said, I'm going, I, I have a skill, I have a knowledge, I have an experience that can get people from where I was to where I'm at now in their life. And that moment tomorrow, that resentment turned to gratitude in that second. 
And I thought, I, I, I'm not meant, this is what I'm meant to do. And so I always tell people, you know, I can't tell you specifically what your purpose is, but your purpose is going to be something that is going to enhance another person's life and take them from one point to another or, or, a, uh, or an ideal that's bigger than yourself. And that's what it's going to be. And to look to those moments in your life of something that you struggle through, that you know how to get past, that's your purpose. Because that's the universe saying, we've given you this gift of, of struggle and suffer that you now get to be a light to, to shine on a path for other people to come through it. That's oh, so powerful. It's so true. It's, it's identical. And I actually just left my corporate job a while ago, a few weeks ago, actually. And I remember the day I had made that decision, the universe is like, okay, girl, you finally stepped in two feet, like, good for you. And things yeah. just started happening. And, you know, I haven't been happier and I haven't been happier, like in my recovery. And it's been the highs and lows because we still go it. I mean, I got addicted mm -hmm. to entrepreneurship when I was doing both. I was waking up at 3.30 a.m., going to bed at 8 and it was insane. I couldn't have kept it up, but I finally committed. Now, um, you had, I believe, an, a, a spiritual experience as well in mm -hmm. early recovery. And that's something that has allowed me to have faith because I remember thinking, you know, when I came into recovery and a friend's like, you know, you got to find a higher power. You got to have faith that things will work out. It doesn't matter what it looks like, but just try it. And Mine was so powerful because I was like, seriously, I'm like, there's no such thing as a God or whatever. Because yeah. I'm like, you know, where was he back when I was in trouble and where all this terrible stuff? And yeah. I'm like, I'm alive today. Like, that should be my first sign. But did you experience something like that, too? Oh, yes. And it really is. And so I'm not religious in any aspect. I grew up Catholic, recovering Catholic, as they would say. But it was a spiritual awakening and it was that moment where and you hear this term a lot was when i surrendered yeah when i surrendered to the universe and i said this life i have this money i'm making i'm selling my soul out my dignity this is a shell of a man who, who i am i'm holding on to this money all this kind of stuff but that's 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 the secret brilliance of of, of awakening and universe or if you want to call it god call it god is that you can't just dip your toe in most so many people like, hey, I'm going to dip my toe in or hold on to the rail. And and where are you? Show me, you know, show me the awakening. And <laughs> it, it doesn't happen. You have to surrender to it. And the second that happens, then the universe just takes care of you. And that it was just a, a space of, of just love and compassion and gratitude. And that's that's a, an amazing place to live, but you have to surrender to it. I agree. And it was the same for me. And I, you know, I didn't grow up religious and I'm not uh, today, but I just love the fact that even when it's a tough day now, and I still struggle with depression and anxiety occasionally, mm -hmm. I, you know, tell people they're like, well, how come you're not in bed all day? And how come you're not dwelling upon things? It's like, because I see that light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how dark that tunnel is right now, right? Mm -hmm. I know that tomorrow's gonna be a better day because I just have faith that it's going to be. Yeah. I'm following my purpose. I'm doing mm -hmm. what I was meant to do. Yeah, yeah. well, I'll tell you, that's, a, that, that's a, a great little segue into another analogy that I have, and because we get to also be that light for people. And I, I say this as, as, as a guide 
and what we get to be as a coach in in this in this amazing space to be able to provide this is we are a lighthouse on the shore and we're solid we hold our ground and we're showing you the path like here you go here's that light but what we do not do is we do not get in that boat with that person yeah. we don't we don't take that on because the second we do now we're going down that you know we're going down the hell hole with them but here i am i am your lifeline here's the light i'm here to support you i will show you the way but you have to do the work you have to get out of it follow the light or not but that's your choice and when you do that there's that's when there's so much empowerment is when you grab hold of that absolutely and i love how you talk about focusing less on the addiction and more about the empowering behavior because that's exactly what I've started doing in the last few years and it's changed my life completely. Yeah. Well, and it, going back to what I, when I coach, when I coach men is they're so afraid of, when I said, what are you afraid of? They're giving up their identity. They're afraid they're going to give up that security blanket. They're going to give up that coping mechanism. And I'm like, I get it. That is, that's very fearful, but let's put something else in place, which is that's energizing. It's like, it's not going to happen overnight. And to your point, the other secret is, is, it never goes away. I mean, we still have anxiety. We still get depression. Um, ego still jumps up high. That's another analogy I have is work on training your ego like your pet dog. Don't let it be driving the bus. Don't be letting it run wild. You know, use it when it suits you. Um, but um, I just lost my train of thought on that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So the, the point is, is that um, we still get it. But it's building these tools and systems and this way of being that when you get it, you sit with it, you acknowledge it, you put your tools and your systems in place, and you move forward and you realize it's temporary. It's always temporary. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, what does life look like for you today? Because I know you help a lot of people, but just like I always try and stress this, that this is a gift, right? And it's yeah. it's something when we can grab hold of and realize hey you know what as long as i do the work one day every day i do the work we can build these amazing lives yeah and then you know the, the the cool thing is it it'll it will happen so much faster than you think yeah if you just surrender to it the process don't second guess it there's tons of people out there find the person that connects with you if you're somebody that's struggling with this it doesn't have to be me there's a lot of guys that do porn addiction recovery um watch videos, immerse yourself in, in understanding what's doing, connect with somebody. Um, somebody's done this. Mm -hmm. Somebody's experienced it. Um, they can be a, a guide for you. Um, I have to say, like we all do though, you have to invest in it too. Yeah. The amount of money I've invested in myself and as well as being able to get this out to people is it's skin in the game. You have to have skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And that's that's your that's one piece of your accountability until you until you start building other areas of accountability. So life for me is just continuing and finding men to work with, and and, and creating these awakenings for men. Uh, it's also creating amazing uh, life with my fiance and I. She has an amazing uh, handcrafted soap company that she started last year. Uh, she's a single minority female, so this has just been blowing up for her. She deals with outdoor enthusiasts. That's what her her her, her soap line and product line is towards. And so I helped her with that last year, or I should say. I'd I don't want to say I helped her. I actually learned a lot from her last year. She's much younger <laughs> than I am. So uh, she's much younger and she's an entrepreneur and she's beautiful and she's amazing. And so building a life with her uh, and our two dogs 
That's that's all we focus on. And that's one thing is to not get chased by shiny objects. Yeah. Is find those things in your life and just make that make that it. Nothing gets in the way. We don't let outside world, outside news. I stay tuned into it um, just because I don't want to make sure if somebody's coming running into my house for some reason. But I don't get caught up in any of that. I am focused on helping men. She's focused on getting amazing natural products out to the world that are beneficial to the world and the people and the health of our two dogs and the health of ourselves and our relationship. Those are the only things we focus on. If something is distracting us away from that, we reel each other back in and we stay on the course. Oh, I love it. I love it. So if people want to learn more about what you do, um, how can they find you? Great. Thank you for asking on that. Uh, best way is just Google my name, Bill Ranshaw, R-A-N-S-H-A-W. You can find my website, which is actually Bill Wilderment, not bewilderment, but it's billwilderment.org. And from there, you can find out about my online program. Um, I've got a couple different ones. I have a spiritual awakening program, porn addiction program. Uh, my YouTube channel is a flurry of information that I give out tons of videos on. Um, so you can find that on my channel, but Google my name and you'll, you'll start finding me. Bill, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know this is going to bring, you know, some light for a lot of women and men. Yeah. And I know that you're going to, you, I just, I know you're going to help millions of people. So thank you so much for sharing it. Well, thank you for sharing your story tomorrow. Thank you for giving me a platform here to speak. You're doing amazing things and just keep this going and same with you. You're going to touch millions. Wow. I am fired up. I am so, so grateful that I got to chat with Bill and have him on the show so he could help inspire others. I just, you know, this is probably one of my favorite things to do is chat with amazing guests and have them share their stories of overcoming addiction and adversity and discovering their purpose as a result. And it just goes to show you that it doesn't matter what we've been through. If we can take that energy and turn it into something more purpose-driven, it's amazing what we can do. Now, make sure you come join us on our first Collaboration Zone Zoom call starting July 1st. If you can't make that call, they are scheduled every second week. So come check out a date that works for you. This is an ideal spot for you to network, showcase your skills and talents, and just meet other like-minded individuals that can help you take your business to the next level. Visit www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone, and I'll see you there. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.